This is the Five Point Play Podcast, Diehard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, it's the Godfather Podcast. Man. Man. Back. It's been, <laughs> so a it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been about uh, five or six years since you and me were the only two uh, running the show here. But Seriously? Um, you know, I guess you know the Duke loses and everybody wants to drop off. I guess that's the that's the case. I don't blame him. I don't know. I don't blame him either. Not after, uh, not after that performance. But you know, we'll we'll get into it. We'll talk all the things that we heard post game. Obviously, if you were along with us on Spaces, you heard the immediate reactions, not only of our fans but of AC, myself, Pablo. There's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. But we want to try to keep it in check and try to really give everybody a, a real understanding of of you know, it's been 24, 48 hours since the game. Let's reel it back in and then try to really figure out what's going on here, where John needs to pivot, where the players need to pivot. AC's in the firehouse right now. He's it's it's all hands on deck for AC right now. He could he could get pulled out of this podcast, real talk, at any moment. So if you guys hear a fire alarm, <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing, and your boy TK is gonna be here by himself, and that's okay. But uh AC look, we um we lost 80 to 75 to Arkansas in a game that we had no business losing walking into that game. Arkansas was down their best player. Mm-hmm. We had we we talked about the, the type of team Arkansas was, but really to me it had nothing to do with who Arkansas is, isn't with their best player, without their best player. To me, it's all about Duke. And yeah. what did we show? What did we not show? And unfortunately we didn't show a whole lot for the majority yeah. of that game. And you know, kind of break it down for the folks. Shit, dude. Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't show a lot. That's that's kind of the main thing, right? Like we didn't we didn't show a good propensity on offense. We didn't like we like honestly, the only thing we showed was at the end of the game we showed fight, and that was kind of more Arkansas making really dumb plays as a, as opposed to us making really good plays. I mean, we essentially ran the same press that we ran against Louisville that worked, but I mean, that was it was Arkansas making really dumb mistakes. Honestly, like. Like you said, you said in the beginning, we had no business losing that game. We also had no business only losing by five at the end of that game. Right, if we're being real, if yeah. we're being real about it, like a, you a know, double-digit loss game. Yeah, and you know, I, I kind of go back to the Arizona and the Michigan State games. So we split those two games one and one. We could have easily won both of those games. We could have easily lost both of those games. Mm-hmm. We could have easily lost both of those games by double digits. Yep. It is what it is. We could have easily lost the Arkansas game, probably should have, by double digits. But I think the bigger picture is honestly, why is that? What, what, what is going on here with Duke where, you know, I know that we talked about this on Spaces a little bit, where maybe our expectations coming into the year were too high too soon. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they're too high overall. Because right. I don't think that they are. I, think, I, I, I still think that this team's ceiling is really high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. And I thought you put it really well in spaces. And I actually had to go back. If, you, if you're not following us on Patreon, please do. Because I actually had to go back and check myself. Because I, on November 15th, in the original TK's thoughts, I actually said that this team starts three sophomores. So mm-hmm. three guys that were freshmen, true freshmen last year. And we're trying to integrate at minimum three new freshmen into a rotation. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta kinda take a couple plays off here and be like, all right, wait a minute, this thing's gonna take more time than as fans we hoped it would. 
Yeah, and really, I mean, the only true identity this team has on offense right now is Kyle Filipowski off of pick and pop and pick and roll action. Yeah. Like, that's that's the only identity we have, and that identity is snuffed out every single time we have someone on the floor who can't space the floor because all teams are doing is just playing one-man zone when we have Mark Mitchell and when we have when we have Ryan Young and he's playing on the perimeter. And, and that's just unacceptable. Like, the thing with Mark, I mean, I get what John's trying to do. Like, I understand, like, it will be it would be good to have Mark Mitchell and March be able to hit these shots that he's being left open with and taking and everything, but it's just – it's it's not going to happen right now, and I think we sacrificed a chance to pull ahead early in that game on the road by allowing him to shoot the way we did and John just leaving them there as opposed to putting him in advantageous spots, which in my opinion is putting Mark Mitchell down on the block and bringing Kyle out to the perimeter. Yeah, I think we want to definitely dive into uh, positional things, right? We want yeah. to talk about Mark Mitchell and – obviously the immediate reaction is that I don't want to see Mark Mitchell shoot another three pointer the rest of the year. Right. Okay, immediate reaction. Okay, let's, let's dive into that a little bit deeper. Same and we will, that, but that's, that's right. Kind of that's, the point that right. There's no identity right now. And like, right, there's no identity though. So yeah. like, we can go into individuals and talk about what we it's, can and can't do. Right. Let's look in. Like, you look at superficial stats, right? We only had seven turnovers, so you can't say turnovers were the problem. We rebounded well as a team for the most part. I mean, we had 30 boards. I think they had like 32 or something like that, 36 or something. Yeah, like they, they out-rebounded us by six. You know, but, so honestly, um, it was 40 to 34. But that, that's, to, to your point, like that's not where we lost the Essentially irrelevant. And and then you look at the three-point shots, right? We were six for 22. They were nine for 22. And you look at the percentage only. They shot 41%. We shot 27%. Looks terrible on paper. It's only three point three three-point shots. And three of those were from Mark. So – I don't know, man. Like, there's that, but there's also, you know, you talk about we had 14 more field goal opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, and we made two less. Yep. So yep. we missed a lot of bunnies, and that was kind of the thing last year. We missed a lot of bunnies, and and a lot of that actually, you know, not a lot, but a substantial amount of that is flip missing a lot of those close ones that we kind of harped on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to take we're, a step we're back. We're all over. Yeah. We're all over Mark, and Flip was one for five. Reese was one for six. Yeah, I, I think that that's really the the thing that I, I wanted to start with in in terms of individuals is I know the box score. If you just look at the box score, you're like, well, Flip was the whole team, him and him and Jeremy Roach. But Flip makes a lot of freshman mistakes. He misses mm-hmm. a lot of those things close to the rim, things that you know he takes it up weak, looking for fouls rather than as Coach K always said going for the bucket instead of, you know, going up hoping to get a whistle. And mm-hmm. and by the way, referees are human. They know that. They know yep. you're trying to get the whistle. And, you know, you whining and you, you know, flopping and doing these things. Look, I'm holding you to a better standard because you're a first-team All-American. You're supposed to be yep. the player of the year in this conference. Like, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. You mm-hmm. should hold yourself to a higher standard. Absolutely. So these critiques are real. It's not because I don't think that you're no good or anything like that. That's not that couldn't be farther from the truth. But I'm going to hold you more accountable. Then I'm going to hold. I've heard critiques about Jeremy Kane's play, Caleb Foster, right, Ryan Young. Like, come on now. Like, I'm not holding those individuals no. to that same standard because there's different standards for different players. If you're the top dog, and we're going to get to Tyrese Proctor, mm-hmm. so we'll get to him. It's not about Filipowski only, you know, but let's yep. talk about Filipowski first because you're, you're the main guy here. And it's pretty apparent, right? Like, 
there's three guys on this team that if if one of the three is not functioning, we have a shot. We have a good shot at winning. If two of the three is not functioning, we have yeah. like a eh, like one of those guys might be able to carry us to a win if some of the other guys on the bench step up. But if all three are off, then we're losing. And that's that's Kyle, that's Tyrese, and that's Mark Mitchell. Those are the three. Yeah. Like, and I'm not including Jeremy Roach for a reason because Jeremy Roach is an off guard who has his role set. And I'm not saying he's perfect every time. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I am saying that if Jeremy Roach is off, we can survive that. But yeah. Mark, Reese, and Kyle, those three need to be on, or at least two out of those three. And so far this season, we've really only had one of those three be on, and that's Kyle Filipowski on a regular basis. Right. And in the big games. In the big games, only yep. one of those three has been on. And I, I think that you give Mark Mitchell a pass against Arizona. It was his first game back. But, you know, and, and I thought he did okay against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Obviously, against Arkansas, he was, he was poor. But, you know, when you look at the three games for Tyrese Proctor, he was poor pretty much in all three of those. And, yep. you know, you can, again, I, I hate the box score readers, and they try to tell me how the game was played. It's not how mm-hmm. the game was played. Tyrese yeah. Proctor, again, uh, I, I'll be that guy. Like, I, I told you that he was going to be not only the ACC player of the year, He's going to be a first-team All-American. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the best player on this team. And it couldn't be further from the truth right now. Now, do I still believe he has that potential? Of course I do. Because I've seen it. We've seen it. You can see – you've seen it this year in spurts. Like, you've seen plays where where he does what he does, which is he gets to the middle and everything else. And, again, like, a lot – some of this is schematic, too. Like, it's hard for him to make room in the lane when you have one-man zone. It's hard for him to make moves to where he needs to be when – half the offense isn't moving because we're playing quick hitters on one side. Like some of this is on the coaching staff too, getting guys in the right places. No doubt. And I, I do want to pivot to the coaching staff before we get to anything else. Um, Cause I, I want to talk about, you know, as a coach, you can only do so much to get your, your guys going, right. You can <laughs> get in their face in terms of motivational tactics. What from an X's and O's perspective, can we actually look for, because, you know, when you're reading the stuff online and the, the Twitter comments, and by the mm-hmm. way, there's been a lot of vile comments out there. Like, what I don't understand is, you know, some of them where it's, we got to run the motion. We got to, you know, move, more ball, move. Okay, that's all great, except we actually have to have a point to what we're doing. Right. And to me, it's not. Simply ball movement, ball movement, ball yeah, movement. Man. And that's great, but that, that doesn't actually solve the problem. No. What solves what solves the problem from an X's and O's perspective to get this offense from being a bunch of guys stagnant, kind of standing around, hoping that one of the guys catches fire or you know, flip, you know, gets his own rebound and puts it back and you know where where do we go? Where do the coaching staff look at the tape and say, we can make these fixes and then try to let our players cook, namely Tyrese mm-hmm. Proctor. I mean, it's it starts with how you position your players. They've already done it with Ryan Young. After the Arizona game, that was a big eye-opener for them, clearly, because now, instead of Ryan Young operating at the top of the key or even free-throw line extended at the three-point line, which is where he was during the Arizona game, they moved him almost exclusively into that box right there at the free-throw yeah. line and below. That's where he is now, and so far, so good anytime he's been in the game because his man has not been able to leave him. So we've actually had decent spacing in the game when Ryan Young is in the game, believe it or not, as much as people want to say that's not the case. Um, with Mark Mitchell still, it's it's still 
John, I think John is still testing the other coaches. Are they going to continue to play one man zone with Mark out there? And they are. So it's clear what's happening. So I, th- I think unless unless he's just truly trying to empower Mark here in November and early December by letting him stay out on the perimeter and try to hone that part of his game, which again is important. Like it if, is. I, we talked about that on spaces. We if, talked about our spaces. Yeah. Yeah. If if Mark Mitchell can be good on the perimeter, we are impossible to guard. However, he's not good on the perimeter. He is he's Lance Thomas at this point. At this season, he is Lance Thomas. So let's stop. Let's stop the experiment. If we want, if we want to, cont- like we, our schedule is easy from here on out. So whatever you want to do at this point, we'll win. We'll win every game the rest of the calendar year. But when we start getting into these games in January and February, that experiment, unless they're going to fix something with that shot, that experiment's got to go. So yeah, so it's interesting because what you said about Ryan Young, I almost feel like is the blueprint for Mark mm-hmm. Mitchell. Yeah, where you know. One of the things that I, I noticed, and it, it was a, a horrible three in the first half, where he takes that three, you knew he was going to miss it. The whole arena knew he was going to miss it, and, he, and 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 I hate to say this, but he probably knew he was going to miss it too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot of difference between shooting with conviction and shooting hoping that you're going to make it. Yep. And you, you saw a guy that doesn't have confidence, and I understand that. Being a mm-hmm. shooter, you got, you don't have it going. You get that. Difference is is that Mark Mitchell has a phenomenal around the rim game. Mm-hmm. And he can jump over, but he's very athletic. He, and if you're going to compare him to Lance Thomas, like he has a better around the rim game than Lance Thomas did at the same stage, you he know, and, and and he's stronger and, and things like yeah. that. So what I'd like to see, you know, is because coaches and all the all the scouting reports are going to be the same on Mark Mitchell going forward until we change something. Yep. Is that look, dude? If they're going to lay off you that much, mm-hmm. attack the rim. Attack the rim until somebody guards you and somebody picks you up. Because at mm-hmm. minimum, that means that one extra defender is not going to be around the rim for the rebound, meaning that Flip is going to be there. Maybe a guard can slide down for a rebound. Mm-hmm. Or, great, you draw a double, pick it out. Or, yeah. you know, you can try to make a play, suck the defense in, and, and try to find something to, to, you know, pick it out to or whatever. Talk about ball movement. That's where the ball movement is going to occur. Off of drawing a team, a double team, or drawing the defenders down because they know you can score down low. They don't. They know you can't score outside. So maybe it's taking some of that blueprint that you have for Ryan Young and kind of saying, "Mark, we're going to do the same thing." Yep, yep, and I and I think that's what we see, and I think we start to see that more with when when Sean Stewart's inserted, when Christian Reeves is inserted, because those guys are going to play. I think that's yeah. pretty apparent too. I don't, I don't know that I don't know how guaranteed Mark's minutes are going to be for a while. Um, I, before the season, we we said it. You know, he's a thirty minute a game guy because we just assumed that him coming back and everything and how good he was last year. But considering what we we've seen now to start the season, I don't I don't know that it's guaranteed he's a thirty minute a game guy. Yeah, I don't know that it's guaranteed either. Um, having said that, when we talk about his headspace and you know not taking that stuff away from him, I think it would be a mistake to automatically like strip all of his cost. Because the, the reality is yeah. that Mark's playing decently well in all other aspects of the game. He is. He was one of the best. Shooting is not. So that's a quick tweak to me as yeah. a coach. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna empower you in different ways. I agree, um, but the only thing at this point is right, like and it's a, it's about how you sell it to the kid too, right? Like, right that's you, what I'm saying. It's, that's that's the sell job. Yeah, you. I mean, you sell it to him like, all right, we're going to continue to get you 20, 25 minutes a game, 
but we need to bring in TJ. We need to bring in Reeves or, or Stewart, or whoever's playing the best in the other spot. We need to bring those guys in because we, we, we need, we need to balance our offensive side of the ball. Like, T- clearly TJ Power is, is a factor. I think, yeah. I think, unless that was just a fluky day, which it's not. No, I don't we've think so. Him, we've seen him all off season and blue white game, everything else hitting hitting shots. He did it against LaSalle. Like, I, th- I think the dude's a proven shooter. I mean, you even saw, you saw Arkansas. They played one man zone on TJ Power until he proved he could hit a shot and he hit the first one. So then they're like, okay, we right. gotta pull, we gotta pull Brazil out now. So he's yeah, obviously that, that, a floor that, that, stretcher definitely. that can help this team. Exactly. And his defensive rating wasn't that bad either. I know he was in the game a lot during zone, but. He he kind of handled himself defensively a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, he did. I mean, there's definitely, you know, if you watch that game, like there's definitely yeah. pockets there where he missed his assignment but sure. kind of got away with it, which that that's going to happen. A lot a of people for, do. Ty, Tyrese a, Proctor a for, did. A for a zone and B Jared for you know, a freshman. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are going to miss spots. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a, I can live with that um, yeah. if, you're, if, if, you know, that's, that's the case. Um, I do want to say that, uh, as it pertains to Sean Stewart, he's mm-hmm. another guy. Like I almost feel like you kind of bring Ryan Young, Mark Mitchell, Sean Stewart together. Say you three are going to play the exact same way whenever you're in the game. No matter who mm-hmm. you're playing with, no matter who else is on the court with you, you're going to play the same yeah. exact way and just kind of, kind of go that route. Say you know, hey, look, we're going to make it really easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Just you three are going to play the same exact way. Sometimes they'll play we, together. Sometimes you won't. But we said it in that podcast after the blue white game, we had this conversation walking out of the gym after that. We were talking about Sean Stewart and we were saying that it's going to be difficult for him. I think to find minutes at least early in the season, because he's a freshman yeah. with no role. And, and you can kind of see the the way he plays. Now, he's not wild. I'm going to say wild. I'm, I don't mean he's like wild, not a control. He just he's he's a, a horse that hasn't been broken. Like he is just he's playing the game based on talent and athleticism. He's not playing the game yet. It's all it's all reactionary. He's not playing the game with anticipation yet. He's not playing it like a a basketball player at this level plays the game. So it's going to be hard for him to get minutes on the floor. So I know everybody wants him on the floor. He only played three minutes again this night, but he really wasn't effective when he's on the floor. So yeah, he's not going to play I- much. And I thought the same thing with – and I, I, I did not mean to leave him out, but I thought Reeves the same thing. Like, I know he only played mm-hmm. for 45 seconds. Was one one possession on offense, one possession on defense. Certainly understand that. Uh, and I know that he got pushed on, you know, that play that, you know, they got the offensive rebound and, and went to a three. Right. Again, not his fault, but he also missed the defensive assignment, kind yeah. of was out of position. I'm not – solely blaming all that stuff on him. I know that he's got conditioning, injury, things like that. I don't know where he's going to fall in the next, this month, so it's December 1st. So I don't know where he's going to fall the rest of this month. Again, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to end of January, early February, and hope that we're right. Because uh, I think that, I think he, he does have a role. These December games are going to be important for him if he is like, clearly, clearly he's healthy because he dressed and he played. So they weren't worried about injury or re-injury to the point of we can't play you this game. Like they used him. So these, these December games, I think are going to be important in terms of integrating him. If they truly plan to integrate him anytime soon, I think it'll be hard. I think, I think if we don't see him at least integrated with, you know, eight to 10 minutes a game through these early December games against these bad teams. 
that that timeline might have to be pushed back to next year because at that point, yeah. At, at that in, point, in, in which in which point, honestly, God, it could be, you know, maybe not a dupe. But right, right. Let's, let's not worry about that right now. Um, right. You know, obviously, we can talk about TJ Power. We'll talk about that. I do want to kind of transition a little bit and talk about rotations and roles going forward mm-hmm. because I think that for for John, this is where really where he needs to start kind of honing in. Yeah. We played, you know, seven games and we've seen a bunch of different guys in different situations and kind of feel like you know who's going to play, but now TJ Power all of a sudden is like, oh, no, don't forget about me. I'm playing. Yeah. And 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 I, I would play him now. He's yep. proven my, he's proven himself. He waited yeah. for 38 minutes to come in against himself and knock him down. And he did. Okay, great. Well, now you're in a big spot on the road in the first half. We need a bucket. Okay, give me my buckets. Yeah. Now you're enjoying the defense now. So I feel like he's he's part of this uh, rotation now. So where Absolutely. where would you like to see John go in terms of rotation? You know, and not just who's playing, but like mm-hmm. how would you like to see that rotation go? I mean, I think. For the most part, I think you can keep things the same or similar, right? Like, as as long as he's going to make the moves to put people on the right spots on the floor. Like, does does that Jared McCain spot, does that become the floater spot now? Like, does that become, has TJ been hot, so you put TJ in and Jared McCain spot instead? I mean, it takes all the way a ball handler, but... Yeah. In, but he's not really ball handling anyway. Like, right, know, he's, playing, Jared, he's playing off so. ball, he's playing catch and shoot, and that's what TJ's doing, so... Then do you, and then does that mean that you play Caleb and McCain together coming off the bench? Like, can they function that way? You have yeah. two guys who are wired to score. I mean, and two guys who aren't scoring. So, like, th- does that help your bench production? Does that help them? Maybe it helps them being out of the lineup with the the guys that they're kind of leaning on. And because I mean, you see, Jeremy Kane's taking plenty of shots. Like, it's not like he's right. not taking shots. He's taking plenty of shots. So. I mean, it's just a matter of those shots falling now. And and same with Caleb Foster. Caleb Foster's taking plenty of shots. He's not yeah. facilitating much, but he's taking plenty of shots. So can can one of or two of those guys facilitate while they're in the lineup together? I don't know. So you still have to kind of mix and match and see where you have it. But I think that McCain spot becomes a floater role, and I think the Mark Mitchell spot becomes a floater role for bigs. Where the whether it's TJ, whether it's Ryan Young, whether it's Sean Stewart, whether it's Mark Mitchell, I think that spot now becomes a floater spot. So now you have two floater spots. Where at the beginning of the season we thought we only had one. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I, I think that that's that's actually accurate. And I think where I wanted to go with it was, I do think that you take McCain out of the starting lineup. Maybe not against Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. but uh, and maybe not against Baylor. Uh, maybe wait. Maybe it is though, because maybe you have Charlotte and another punk cape, and then you play Baylor. Mm-hmm. But what I I wouldn't mind him t- tinkering a little bit and saying, okay, look, here's what's going to happen: Proctor and Roach are now going to play with Flip X and X. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be Mitchell. Maybe it'll be Stewart. Maybe it'll be Ryan Young to start. So now you have Proctor, Roach, uh, Mitchell, Flip and line on starting, which I actually thought was going to be the starting line at the beginning of the year. Mm. And so maybe you start that way and you have a rotation now where, you know, kind of Proctor and Roach come out for maybe it's only a minute, maybe it's only two minutes and let Foster and McCain start playing together. Yeah. Maybe kind of shuttle in Stewart, shuttle in power, 
and you know just kind of see how they're because now everybody has a defined role. Yeah. You know, Mitchell, Stewart, Yon, they know what their roles are. And power, and, you can throw TJ in there too. And, and TJ, right? And so they know what their roles are, and, mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent, Reeves, right? And now you say, okay, Foster, you're handling the ball. Nathan, you're playing Jeremy's spot, mm-hmm. right? And we're gonna kind of see how this plays out. And now everybody kind of has an understanding of what their roles are. That doesn't mean that as the game progresses, you can't mix and match with that. But right. now start getting that rotation down where you know when you're coming in, you know who you're coming in for, you know what your position is going to be. Yep. And then kind of start going down that road and just see what happens. Maybe it doesn't work. Yeah. But I'm trying to define roles right now. And I think that there's a lot of um, misunderstanding right now between the players. Of yeah. What is my role? Like, What am I supposed to do out here? Am I shooting? Are you shooting? Like, I, I don't know what, what my role is right now. And I think that leads to, you know, what we call, what we all call soft and softness. I think a lot of times that leads to that. Like when you don't know, you don't know what you're going to do on the floor or when no. whatever you've practiced uh, that you're going to do on the floor isn't working. Like that lead, that leads to, especially with, again, we're dealing with sophomores and freshmen. Like these are not established veterans as much as we want to say that they are right. in one season of basketball is enough. Right. Come on, man. Like go back in history of Duke, go back and look at everybody else. Who's uh, not named Jason Williams. Like everybody has struggled their sophomore year. I almost, I almost want to, Maybe we should put a, put an article up about this sophomore leap thing that we always talk about, because you know at, at one point in Duke history it was the sophomore to junior leap, not the freshman to sophomore right. leap. Now all of a sudden right. we're like, oh, it's a sophomore leap. Well, no, it was a sophomore leap for Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard. Like it wasn't a sophomore leap for Chris Duhon for right. uh, you know various Jeff, other, Jeff, Cable. Jeff Cable. Jeff like, Cable. Cable. Like there's a lot of guys that like you have there that to your point. They didn't actually make that jump that everybody, you know, hindsight is so 2020 and we have such short memories that you have mm-hmm. to remind yourself that Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, um, Paolo, they, uh, Gary Trent, uh, Justice Winslow, Tanyas Jones, all mm-hmm. these guys have big time struggles. You know, whether you remember them or not, they had yeah. big time struggles and everybody wanted to write them off. Thank mm-hmm. you. Quinn Cook. Everybody's favorite player, Quinn Cook. People were ready to ship him out of town after his second half. Like he had a great start to his sophomore year, and then he had a terrible end of it. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted to ship him out of town. Like that is the thing that we're talking about. Is like it's not that easy. And I'm guilty. Don't get me wrong. When I'm in those, mm-hmm. AC, you're on the group chat with me. Like in game, I'm a lunatic. Like I, I was soft, you know, weak. And it weak, was. Weak. Let's not make excuses. But it was, it was soft but, play. But you have to after after it's all over. It's like wait a minute, right. let's take a breather here and like try to look at the bigger picture. And that's what we're trying to provide everybody right now. Exactly. There's con there's context to the soft play if that makes sense. Like they're they're not soft because they're not competitors. Clearly they are because we saw what they did at the end of that game. They are clearly competitors. They clearly want to win the game. Like hearing the stuff from the fans that they don't want to win and stuff, and they're worried about this. And I like I like I don't agree. I'll just I'll put it that way. I don't agree, but. Like they, there needs to be some direction with what they do in order to make them confident in what they need to do because these are all guys doing new things, including some of the guys that are older. They're also still doing and learning new things. Like, so let's you know let's give them some grace a little bit and see if this thing can be turned around because I think the problems that we have that are persisting are fixable. Yeah, and I think that you know in terms of that, let's talk about the kind of the elephant in the room. 
players that are learning new things, that's Tyrese Proctor. He's got to mm-hmm. learn how to be the man, be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I just, I'm just kind of expected like, okay, he, he did it at the end of last year, but he also had a lot of help and he, it's easy to forget that he did have a lot more help than people give him credit for. And even when you look back at some of the, you know, the, the past box scores of, you know, his last five, seven games where he didn't shoot lights out, but you can you could see it watching mm-hmm. the film. You could see where he was positioning himself, attacking the rim, making difficult shots, and mm-hmm. things that we haven't really seen in consistent manners this season so far through seven games. And so now we're trying to say, okay, look, I'm the coach right now. Tyrese, look, you're that guy. This is where I'm going to instill confidence in you. Mm-hmm. You are you are that player. Yeah. Here's where we. Here's how I can help you put you in position to be that mm-hmm. player. Where can that be first before we we get into like the motivational stuff? Right. And and I mean he's still that's the thing you see you said it like he's learning something new which is he needs to become a scorer and even last year when he went on that kind of streak at the end of the season where he was playing really good basketball you said you said it like he had more help like this year he has only the only people he's been able to pass the ball to who are going to score are consistently are Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski right last year he was still able to throw it up to white uh to lively a little bit you had to read hitting threes you know what I mean he was still like in that stretch from like January 6th or so to the end of the season he was still only taking nine field goals a game right like he had some outlier games where he took like 15 one game but he was five for 15 that game when he took 15 shots he had a couple other games where he took 13 and 11. He was still under 50% when he took that many shots. Tyrese Proctor is not he's – he's a point guard wired to distribute. He's a point guard in the role, like the, the Ricky Rubio mold. Like, yeah, distribute the ball, fair. get it to guys who can score, and then when you need to, when the floor opens up, you can get your shots. That's him. Right. And so he's learning something very different in terms of playing the American ISO package where you are you are designed to score. You are designed to get it to where you need to get it. So he's also learning something new. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's where one of the big things that I've had to learn uh, through these seven games is I'm taking a step back a bit. Wait a minute. These guys, not only did he reclass up, and I'm not making excuses for him, but he had to reclass up. He was a true freshman last year. He's still young. He has to learn to play with, you know, five new players as well and try Mm -hmm. to learn all that stuff while also learning how to be the guy. Mm -hmm. And I do believe, because he has the intangibles, he has the, the package in terms of shooting ability. Obviously, we talked about distribution. Defensively, he's a menace. Pablo talks about that all the time. He's a phenomenal mm-hmm. defensive player. Yes. And, you know, and he can run the floor. That's something we haven't really done a whole lot of. But when he does run the floor, we saw him against Arkansas. At the end of that game, when he made that phenomenal lob, it was a great pass from Jeremy Kane, three-quarters court to Tyrese Proctor. He had the vision already before he would have caught the ball to know Philip Housing was tra- uh, trailing him to dump that off and, yep. and, and, and lead to a bucket. Those are the things that you can't teach that. Like he yep. has those things. It's now what can John do to say, here's how we're going to get you more looks because we need them. And mm-hmm. it's not being, you know, on, you know, we don't need you to be unselfish. We need you to be more selfish. And yep. I think Coach K always talked about that, right? You know, be yeah. more selfish. And and John needs to help him as well, getting him better spots on the floor. I mean, against Arkansas, right. he took 
He took a he took a three point shot from the same spot on the floor four times. He hit one of them and then he missed the other ones, including a bad air ball and then one that hit yeah, like the, the, the side of the side of the, yeah. of the so, I mean that that left wing, like in which again last season he was hitting that three at the end of the year. So I think we're on for on the roller coaster ride again of second half Tyrese stepping it up and yeah. finding a shot again, but. You know, I mean, but before that, though, before all any of that happens, he, they need to help him get his shots if they want him to get shots. Otherwise, put another offensive player in the starting lineup and allow that person to to do what they need to do. Which again, I think it's Mark Mitchell on the interior. I think it's Mark Mitchell playing post. Like, yeah. Sorry for your NBA stock. Sorry for all that. You you got to score too. You know, again, NBA stock. I think we've been a broken record on this podcast about talking about NBA stock, and John Shire sees it too. Where you know the better you play in terms of and how the team does, like it'll take care of itself. The more yep. you think about it, we saw it with Justice Winslow. He's always going to be the guy that I turn to for mm-hmm. this example. Coach K literally went to him and said, "Look, I know you're worried about it." He said it a lot more harsh than I am here, but once we do that, you know, once we handle all the team stuff, don't worry, you're going to be exactly where you need to be. And of course, mm-hmm. it was. Mark Mitchell has those attributes to be able to absolutely uh, benefit an NBA team down the road. It might not be next year. It may be the year after. It may be two years from now. I don't know. But you can't worry about that now. You have to worry about what is going to benefit this team the most because that's going to make you look better. It's going to hide all kinds of wars when the team looks better. We don't talk about the shit when we win. Like We talked about the Michigan State game. Look, we didn't play well, but, you know, you come out of that game, like, oh, well, we won, so, you know, it kind of hides a lot of the, the things mm-hmm. that weren't wrong in that game where we could have lost. And I'm, I'm, I'm not just, off. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not just talking about Mark. I'm talking about everybody. Yeah. And we talked about Filipowski as well. Um, I do want to give a, a positive note, though. Boy, is Jeremy Roach good. Boy, is Jeremy Roach good because he really, I mean, without him, we do get blown out of a couple of those games. Yeah, can I can I stop hearing the uh, Jeremy is disinterested and he only wants. I to haven't heard beat. it. Haven't heard it. Because <laughs> I have. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. Right. I haven't heard about that. There you go. You're you're more. I've, 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 already, I've seen the I've seen that he doesn't want to play comments and he does he looks disinterested and pull him and get him out of the game. All all the same it's stuff. It's all it's it's going to be the same stuff until we win a championship with Jamie Roach on the team. Like that's so sad. That 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 legitimately is sad because yeah. what what more do you want him to do? Right. I mean, he was phenomenal against Arkansas. I'm sorry, he was. Like every bucket that he hit, we needed. Yeah. <laughs> he was by far our best offensive player. He was one of our best defensive players. If you want to look analytically, if you don't want to look analytically, if you just want to look at the tape, it it all speaks for itself. Like the the dude steps up and when when he needs to for winning moments and such. And I, I, I mean I don't I don't I don't know. We don't need to say anything else about Jeremy Roach. We know who Jeremy Roach is. No. Um. All right. So let's get to uh, the Georgia Tech preview. Uh, Georgia Tech right now is three and two. They've only played five games. We played mm-hmm. seven. Obviously, they just come off a win against Mississippi State, where they beat them by eight. Connie got blown out by Cincinnati. Was that? They controlled that game early on, too. They got blown out by Cincinnati. Um, they had a couple other wins that, you know, we don't really need to touch on. Right. But they lost if, to UMass Lowell. So. All right. I, you know, I hate I, see, the reason I didn't bring that up was because 
you know, I said at the end of the last podcast, uh, Arkansas was not very good. And mm-hmm. I don't want to jinx anything. Well, here's the reality, though. <laughs> we are playing the first ACC game on yep. the road. At this point in the year, I don't know any, you know, top 25 team that's played two true road games back-to-back yet. And right. that's what we're doing. And we're coming off a loss yep. where, you know, a lot of our teams probably demoralize in, in you know, in, in a sense. So <laughs> let's talk about Georgia Tech real quick, kind of break them down in terms of, you know, give me a 90-second pitch of, of who Georgia Tech is, what we need to look out for before we give our predictions and then, and then kind of talk about what Duke will need to do in this game to get a win that gets us back on the win track. Yeah, I mean, they are – they're a bad shooting team. They're not a good shooting team. They, until, until tomorrow. Sure, sure. But not a good shooting team. Um, they're going to slow the game down. They don't play very fast. They like to control the tempo. Damon Sotomayor is – I think that was a good hire. I think that's a it's a, a good – at least a good name. And so far, the product on the court hasn't been – hasn't been terrible by – you know, it's just – what he's dealing with. He's dealing with Georgia Tech and trying to fix Josh Pastner's mess at the end of his time and tenure there. So, I mean, he has a couple of good players. He has Dallin Coleman. He has Miles Kelly. He has Kawasi Reeves. Two of the two of the three of those guys are really good at getting to the rim and getting to the rack and attacking. Dallin Coleman's a shooter on the squad. He's kind of the only one that's a shooter on the squad. Everybody else is shooting below 30%. So, you know, again, not a good shooting team. I'm, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the – but they're playing Duke at home. They're going to shoot 80% from three tomorrow. <laughs> right, I'm going to take that out of the equation just talk about what, what they really are, and then if that happens, it happens. Like Because, again, we're still we're still a good three-point shooting defense. Like, But you, we can't allow that that three-headed group to to continue to attack us because that's what killed us against Arkansas is allowing the, the, the straight-line drives to the bucket. That and allowing them to, get, to, to gain confidence. Like, that is the one thing that drives me more nuts than anything else is that, you know, sometimes it happens with a stupid foul or a stupid, you know, extra rebound mm-hmm. where you allow them to get an extra shot and see one go in. And, you know, it was obviously Ellis against, you know, against Arkansas where mm-hmm. the guy hadn't scored in three straight games and all of a sudden, you know, he starts very poorly, just like he had played in the previous three games. It was like a broken play. Mm-hmm. Foul, whatever it was, and and he gets one. He sees one go in, and like any good shooter, you see one go in. And and Caliph Battle too. Like we did, we had a great yeah. game plan against Caliph Battle, which was force him to distribute, force him to be a distributor. It's not his game. He was turning the ball over left and right in that first half, and then we suddenly just started letting him get standstill threes, which he's amazing at. And we started letting him get that confidence, and then he was driving to the rack, he was dunking on us, all the things that he started doing, like. <laughs> We can't let we can't at home. We can't let Georgia Tech get into that mode. We can't like so defensively. We're gonna have to work to to force continue to force them into their bad spots. They're gonna play a four guard lineup at times. I saw them against uh, Cincinnati and against Mississippi State play five guards on the floor because they have some big guards, so they can kind of get away with it. Yeah. Um. So they're they're gonna do that at times, and they're gonna play they're gonna play some zone. They're gonna play some press to try to control the clock. They want us to take every second off the shot clock before we get a decent shot. So they're really going to be working defensively on us. So, I mean, we're, we're going to have to, like, the ills that we're having on offense right now, we can't just play into their hand. Like, we're not going to just – we can't allow non-shooters to just continue to shoot. Like, we're going to have to force their hand. Yeah, and I, I, I do I do think that John Shire will make the necessary adjustments. He has 
too much of a great basketball IQ not to make mm-hmm. these adjustments. And right. he's probably seen enough through so many games to be like, okay, I've, right. I've kept up with a few things. All right, now I kind of have a, I have a feel for where I kind of want to take it in the, in terms of the next step. Yeah. And kind of go from there. So in terms of what would you like to see Duke do in this game? To I'd like to see run. To... Okay, there you go. I want, I want to see us run and push the pressure. We can't let them set up in their zone. We can't let them get back and set up on defense and set up in their pack line that they're going to want to play. The pack line man they're going to want to play. Like, we have to push the issue. Like, we have to we have to attack them and and get up big early. Like, we're going to have to get up big early. Like, it's one thing we really haven't done all season, even against the and the LaSalle's and the Southern Indiana's, we haven't gotten up big on a team early. Like it's always, it always seems like it's a fight. Like let's like, let's attack them. Like we saw in the second, in the mouth we saw the capability second half against Southern Indiana. That first six minutes of that second half against Southern Indiana were amazing offensively for our team. We were running, we were pushing the pace. We were making great qualified moves and great qualified spaces for our players. And everything looked great. And then we kind of went back to what John's been doing, which is, all right, let's tinker and let somebody get some shots from here and there. Like this game in particular, I would like him just to go, okay, this is who we are. This is who you are. And this is where I want you to take your shots. Go get it. Like no, no more. Don't play around this game. Yeah. I I think the whole Duke fan nation right now would like to see that be the case. We've started slow in pretty much all of our games. Yeah. Step up, you know, be that team that, comes out there and says, we're going to punch you in the mouth from the beginning. We are going to say, we we aren't to be forgotten. It's been yep. seven games. We've already lost two. We're not going to make it three, and we're not going to make it four anytime soon. Like, yeah. Let's come out here and punch people in the mouth. And it's kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. That's what I'd like to see to happen. Yeah. I have my doubts that that's going to happen. Right. But, you know, coming out with a win is, is more important than anything in this one. And... It is in December. I mean, coaches look at these seasons in segments, and November is see what you got. Let me see what you have. And we've had yeah. a, we've had a good you know between playing Arizona, between playing Michigan State, between playing Arkansas, we had a good a good schedule in November playing some decent teams. Now it's time to okay, let's solidify some things. So now because you have this game, you have Hofstra, you have uh, Charlotte to solidify before we go play Baylor. And. You know, they- the other thing, though, AC, real quick, is that you said it right there. We, it's a time, November, seven games, a time to learn what you got. Well, mm-hmm. we learned two big things. We have Sean Stewart and we have TJ Power that we can play. Yep. Those are good things. Those are they big are. things that we, that we can be like, all right, well, didn't think we have those this early in the year. Yeah, and and it's, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how – how John deals with that because you got plenty of practice time. You got plenty of, you have two games, three games, sorry, to, to prepare. And, and we're not just preparing for Baylor. That's not what we're doing. Again, right. this is a team preparing for March. So we're not just preparing for Baylor. However, you give your team some confidence by playing a good Baylor team and beating them up as you should. So let's use these three games. Let's use December. Like all of the coaches do. Let's use December to solidify the rotation to now we know, like you said, we know, we said, we just said, we just finished saying earlier in this podcast, we don't know what our identity is. Well, all right, we know who we aren't, at least. We aren't a team that can allow certain things to play on the perimeter. We aren't a team that can allow certain things to happen. So now 
let's take the things we know we've been good at and know that have worked and let's start magnifying those and expanding on those things. All right. Well, it's prediction time. 2.15 p.m. Our time on a Saturday. Our time uh-huh. on a Saturday in, in, in the midst of all in the midst of all the college football, you know, conference championships. What do you got? Over, uh, you know, I, I should probably know that. That's where Jack usually comes in. I know, right? Jack usually comes in here and gives us the over-unders, the, the spreads, you know, tell me, you know, I'm pronouncing one of the college teams' names wrong or the city's wrong. <laughs> Well, I, always thought, I always thought it was a sound, but apparently it's a song, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, what, what I'd like to see, you know, John do is take her with that starting lineup. I think that one of the things that I've seen through seven games is that he's kind of been able to see a bunch of different lineups, a bunch of different rotations. And now is an opportunity for him to say, okay, look, I'm not saying that McCain is the problem. He's not. He's not the problem. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of people on message boards and in Twitter and, oh, well, he's not shooting well. He's not doing this. The dude had 10 rebounds. He out-rebounded everybody other than, you know, Philip House. He, yeah. I'm not saying that's all, all the same, but he's being asked to do certain things, and I think he does a lot of them well. So McCain's not the issue. That's not what I'm trying to bring with that but what i would like and that's to what we said is, earlier right like the issue right. is the, the issue is our top three players like every team has an established hierarchy of guys and the three players again the three players we can't have all at once having bad games is flip mark and tyrese and right now it's yeah. not even that right there are our top two players right now mm-hmm. are jeremy roach and Colin philpowski yeah, yeah. And we're, we're, we were expecting coming into this year that uh, Jeremy Roach would be our fourth best player mm-hmm. in an ideal scenario, fifth. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what it would be. That's why the team with Paolo and them went to the final four because you had your fourth, fifth best player on the team at the time playing, you know, Great. second or third best player level. Right. Level and and Jeremy Roach. That's the be- the best part. Jeremy Roach has actually elevated his game, but the problem is that he doesn't have the talent around him um, playing to their level. Right. You know, he has the talent. They're they're not playing to the level of their talent. Right. And again, I'm not I'm not coming out to freshman. I mean, they're trying to learn on 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 where they are. But again, Tyrese Proctor is trying to learn too. But Roach and, is also not. He's not. He's not one of those dominant players that the other no. team game planning around that's and that's that was my point of saying Mitchell because they're game planning around Mitchell they're sending a guy all the way back into a, into the lane they're game yeah. planning Tyrese they're shutting down they're shutting down the free throw line and not letting him get the opposite court passes they're game planning Filipowski so those are the three team those three guys that they're going to game plan nobody, nobody else is yeah game well well you know AC like we're going a little long but like that's the whole point right is that mm-hmm. they're now game planning for you Yep. They are now game planning for you. How do you respond? How do you react to the fact that they're game planning for you? Yep. And that's where John has to, to kind of, you know, show his prowess, show his his IQ, show his his moxie, because these guys now are the ones being game planned. It's no longer Derek Lively. It's no longer the Rick Whitehead, you know, in the corners and, and on, on the wings where you have to step out because he's going to knock it down at a 47% clip. Mm-hmm. It is you're the guy now. You have 
all the game plans on you. Phil Pouncey already knows that. He's the yep. only guy that does know that. Because yeah. all the game plans last year were the same. Like, they got to stop him, too. Right. Um, but, you know, again, I have a lot of faith in this team. I have a lot of faith in John Shire. I think that mm-hmm. we are going to, to be just fine. But did you, did we get an over-under uh, for tomorrow? We did. They the 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 number the number is at one forty eight, which I think is pretty high. Ooh, that's hot. Considering, wow. considering Georgia Tech, and we are favored as a twelve and a half point favorite. Okay, that's how we opened. One forty. Would you say one forty eight? Yeah. So that implied point total wow. is like us wow. us with about 80, 82 points. No chance. At least not for my prediction. At least not for my prediction. I'm taking that under. Yeah, big big time. Um, I think we gotta start giving people some predictions here. What do you got for uh for the score? I'm I'm gonna say Duke seventy five, Georgia Tech sixty sixty two, sixty three. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I was gonna say seventy four, sixty eight. But mm-hmm. go ahead. We'll yeah, no, I, I think we'll be close to that twelve and a half point. We should be close to that twelve and a half point differential. Um, I don't I don't think we've reached a one forty eight by any stretch of the imagination. But no I think I think we at least cover that or come close. I don't think we'll cover it, but I think we'll come close to covering that twelve and a half points. Um, we are a double-digit better team than Georgia Tech, and we should show it. Like we should, we should play this game very well again. Odd time, travel, all that stuff. We're not going to look good shooting the ball, so I think fans should just monitor monitor your expectations there. <laughs> We're not going to look good shooting the ball, except for a couple to save for a couple of players. So let's let's see who has a good game. Let's see who responds because I think that helps us move forward now with what we talked about: who's in the rotation, who's doing this, who's doing what. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, hey, look, it's put up a shut up time early. Early in the summer, I think I'd be saying that. But the reality is that you guys are lost the proof. So we got a great opportunity to know it's kind of out of the normal calendar. But that's how the new calendar goes. You got 20 conference games. John Shire will figure it out. All Absolutely. the noise, all the noise about John Shire, just stop it. He's a second-year coach. This is his second, first half of the year. Why don't everybody calm down? Thomas Prophet, gonna play better. Kyle Filipowski, despite the numbers, gonna play better. Jeremy Roach, keep doing your thing. All the other players, they're gonna step up. They're gonna find their role. AC, from the firehouse. My guy, let's go Duke. Uninterrupted for 50 minutes. Let's go Duke.